Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. All right, as you have a seat, high five someone around you and say, get ready. Get ready. God's got stuff for us today. I love it. Bring it. All right, I will. How is it possible? Look, our son Jaden, the 19-year-old college student, came home for the brief Easter break. Mama wanted him home. That means he's coming home. And so when he had to fly back, I had work to do, and we, we couldn't get him to the airport. So I grabbed my phone, and I, I hit the Uber app. And within minutes, I promise you, within minutes, I did nothing else, and an Uber car showed up at the end of our driveway. How is that possible? How did they arrive exactly where we wanted them to arrive? Jaden got in the car, and without a conversation with the Uber driver, they dropped him off at the appropriate desired destination, the Atlanta airport, without a conversation. How on earth did they know? This is magic. <laughs> then he got on the airplane without a conversation with the pilot. And he got off the plane in Indianapolis, arriving at his desired destination. Are you kidding me? How is that possible? Then he got in his own car, punched in the GPS, the address of Indiana Wesleyan University, followed the way it told him to go, and ended up at the precise desired destination. How on earth is that possible? Wait, you know the answer. A GPS. Global positioning systems underneath this is longitude and latitude. Underneath this is... The directions, north, south, east, west, and it all starts with knowing what is north, which begs for a moment. So everybody stand. Do not pick up your phone. Everyone stand at all the in-person campuses. Stand up. 12 Stone Home, stand up. Wherever you are, I suppose, unless you're driving in the car. Otherwise, everybody stand up. No talking to anybody else. No getting on your phone, no cheating. Might even have to close your eyes. Everybody get their hand out, their finger, the point. You ready? Point to true north. Let's go. Point to true north. Hold it, hold it, hold it. All right? Now, you can see here, look at the campuses, look around you. I love the tentative ones. You're, some of you are cheating. You're like, I have no idea. You're looking around. Okay, now listen, everybody's not pointing the same direction. Other people are helping other people. Some of you are changing during the conversation. I'm watching some of you. You're waiting for Jesus to give you a lead. Holy Spirit, talk to me. Now listen, everybody can't be right. All, all these different directions are not true north. By the way, that's obvious. Think about it. Uber can't have their own north. And then the airlines or the pilot has his or her their own north. And then you get to Indiana, and it's a different GPS north than Georgia. Obviously, if we do that, we'd all be lost. There's no such thing. Now we're going to do it again. You ready? 
We're going to do it again, but you can talk to your neighbor. You can't use your phone, but you can talk to your neighbor. Get some of you need to talk to your neighbor. You have no idea. Okay, get your pointer back out. And while I'm doing this, I need some help on stage. You, jump up here. Come on up. Two. two. All right, you don't have to. Come on, I need two more people. It's going to be simple. You're not going to say a word. Come on up. One more. One more. Okay, we got it. You ready? While you get, get your true north with your... Okay, y'all come up here. Compass, face forward. Compass, face forward. Compass, face forward. Here's how it works. You ready? Y'all watch me. Put the arrow out. Okay, lay it flat in your hand. Arrow out. Okay, now when? Just turn until the red is in the red. Just turn until, nope, you just turn your body until the red goes in the red. Laying it flat. Okay, everybody got it? Now point to true north. How many of you got it right? Some of you are so proud of yourself. This is the first thing you've gotten right in years. I'm so proud of you. Now, how do you know we're right? Because we have a what? A compass. True north. That is your gift today. Take your compass with you. You'll always know where you are. Rest of you have a seat. Now, maybe your campus pastor is helping you. Maybe you got to get your phone and put this on an app. But this is all making sense of all of us. We sort of get it. And here's the point in having just a little bit of fun. You ready? This is the context for Jesus in John chapter 14. Really, this is a conversation of compass and true north. It's about arriving at the desired destination. See, Jesus wants us to go to heaven with him. He wants us to be in the new heaven and the new earth. He wants us to know the way. And here's what we read in John 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Jesus is telling us that heaven is a real place. There's going to be a new heaven, a new earth. He's preparing a place for us. He wants his disciples, his followers, frankly, all of us to be with him. In fact, he describes it in Revelation 22 at the end. Look at what he says. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. What testimony? What's he talking about? He's talking about the new heaven, the new earth, the destination, the desired destination, the place he wants you to go. And we, of course, if we're all being honest, we all want to go. And so he describes this place, what we can anticipate. Then I saw a new heaven, a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Yea, God and nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. There is a new heaven and a new earth. There is a life beyond this life. And in this fallen world, there is hope. And that hope is in Jesus. And he's given us GPS, if you will, coordinates. At least that's the context of the conversation. At which point Thomas says to Jesus, well, we want to go. 
That's our desired destination. We want to arrive there. How do we get there? Just show us the way. Give us the coordinates. Give us longitude, latitude. Give us the GPS. You show us the way. We're with you. Jesus' response, hold on. I not only have showed you the way, I am the way. I don't just point to it. I am it. I'm, I'm your compass. I'm your true north. When I speak, I speak the truth. I am the way, the source of life. Look at how he closes this conversation. Thomas said to him, Lord, we, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how to get there. Nobody's texting me. I don't have a, a compass. I don't have a north. I don't have a GPS. I don't know. And Jesus answered, I am the what, everybody? Way. I am the way and the truth and the life. And hang on, if that's not clear, last sentence, no one. No one. Not a one comes to the Father except through me. How is that possible that you could be restored to God in a sinful fallen world? Well, Jesus leaves heaven, comes to earth, lives holy, teaches us true north, reveals the compass of the living God, dies on the cross to cover our sin debt, rises from the dead, and then invites us in. Because where there was no way, he made a way. Which begs the question, the question of today, the question of our culture. Is Jesus the only way to heaven, to God the Father? Je Jesus didn't stutter on this. D the answer is yes, according to Jesus. Hey, hang on. Everybody's got an opinion, but just so you know, the moment you talk about Jesus, he already gave an answer. You don't have to believe it. You don't have to receive him. You don't have to follow Jesus. You can go your own way. You can create your own compass. You can set your own true north. You can do whatever you want, but you're never going to change the truth of the way, and you don't speak for Jesus. So just so you know, when you refer to Jesus, Jesus already answered it. Well, yes. And this becomes the question of the culture. It's been debated ever since he said it. In fact, a survey was taken a couple years ago. And on the survey was the question, Muhammad, Buddha, and Jesus are all valid ways to God. And how did people respond? Listen, 90-some percent said true. Agreed. Like, any way you take will get you to the same God. Same heaven. Pick any way you want. What, what's your way? Which means what they're saying is Jesus is not telling the truth. He's, he's not the only way. Now, what was striking, let me just read from the article. The real shocker jumping from this poll is that over, listen, over 60% of born-again Christians believe that Jesus is not the only way to God. Rather, Jesus is one of many ways to God. The article goes on. 
Apparently, a majority of born-again Christians are ignorant about their basic teachings, the basic teachings of their own faith. So we got to have a conversation. Let's unpack these three things in light of culture and the culture wars that we're in and in light of the compass and in, and in light of this being perhaps one of the top decisions you'll ever make in your life and hugely important that you pass it along to your kids in the next generation, let alone the world around us. So let's cover a couple of things we should unpack. Isn't Jesus the only way quite narrow? Quite what, everybody? I can't get there. I just, I've listened to people say this. I, I, a loving God would not be that narrow. I mean, isn't that like narrow thinking and too narrow? Let, let me, let, let, let me just pause for a moment. It is narrow. Because it's an uncrossable chasm that you can't get over your sin. What it has done, it's cost us life. It's brought us death. And it means we're eternally separated from him. A chasm we cannot cross. How do you get across it? We have no way. You can't do that on your own. And the way over is narrow. And I thought it's narrow like a narrow bridge over a chasm. So just let me give you a view. In, in Switzerland, there's a... There's this gorgeous uh, vista, and then as you look over it, if you look to the right, you'll have the moment that I had watching this video. You see that little bridge, that little suspension bridge over there? Do you see this? Are you not in awe? Because I am. I'm like, that is gorgeous, but you're never walking across that. How on earth would you get across that? I, listen, would you really say that Wow, how on earth is the bridge so narrow? Look at the narrow bridge. Out of curiosity, by the way, how many of you, how many of you would actually go across that bridge? How many of you, you would walk it? Like if you were there, you would walk it. How many of you know God and you would not? How many of you are with me? You're like not on your life. Somebody asked me earlier, are you afraid of heights? No, I'm afraid of falling. Okay. I've prayed about it. There's a thing called gravity. So I, I wouldn't walk, I wouldn't walk, probably wouldn't walk across that. But let me ask you, when you come to that vista, when you come to that cliff, when you look down and you look over and you're like, oh my gracious, how on earth am I? Are you really going to complain that the bridge is narrow or are you going to be in awe that there's a bridge at all? Why on earth are we arguing? It's so narrow. How were you going to get across anyway? Like we, sh why are we having the conversation? I just think Jesus is, that that's too narrow. What? Are you not in awe that Jesus made a way you can actually walk across because there is a bridge. That's how much God loves you. It's staggering. And so when you bring up and you say, yeah, but it's narrow. He said it was. Look at scripture Jesus himself used those words, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. I take the narrow bridge. Second, what is the culture war we're facing? 
It's a fair question because we are in a war. Let me take a moment and attempt to describe it. I won't do it perfectly, but just generally, I think it'll help us. Think. Culture has been redefining the compass. I don't know. I'll take it to my time on earth. From the 60s to 2010, those 50 years, our culture has been saying, we have the right to redefine true north. Obviously, there is such a thing as a compass. Obviously. However, you know what? Instead of, instead of true north, I think I get to set my own north. We all need a compass. I, I'll give you that. But I'm going to set north. I'm going to set moral north. I'm going to set moral truth. I'm going to set eternal truth. I'm going to set the values. I'm going to make the decisions based on my knowledge. I'll, I agree there's a compass. I'm going to be the source. And so our culture has been in a debate. Who has the authority? Who gets to? We, we, we refine and, and debate true north maybe from the 60s to 2010. And we've been debating in that time, prayer and school debates. I, I made a list, sanctity of life debates, evolution or creator debates, pornography and sexual revolution debates, divorce, marriage, remarriage and family debates, government corruption and fiscal responsibility debates, race relations and justice debates. What is character debates? I mean, we are all debating true north. But listen, how could we possibly all have our own true north without getting lost? I mean, Uber can't have their true north. The airlines has their true north. Indiana has a different true north than Georgia. Listen, if there is no north, you're lost. You will never get to your desired destination. It is so irrational. It's stunning that we even have to have the conversation. But not only are we in a cultural war that says we get to debate and redefine true north, but something's happened, call it last 13-ish years, where rather than merely redefine north, we're in a cultural war that is removing the compass. Like, we nobody needs a compass. There's no compass. There's no God. There's no truth. There's just your truth. You pick a truth. You don't even need a compass. Doesn't even matter. You have, listen, you have no foundation for your identity, no foundation for your origin. You have no compass for who you are. You have no compass for your worth. You have no compass for your gender. You have no compass for marriage. You have no compass for family. You have no compass for moral good. You have no compass for right. There is no compass. Get rid of, remove the compass. This is a compassless culture. Now you're free. See, real freedom is no compass. And we are in a culture war that says a compassless life is really the good life. That's the way, the truth, and the life. And no wonder we're more lost than we've ever been. How could you not be lost if you don't have a compass and you don't know how to read it? And then something curious has happened. I think we're in the middle of it. I, I think we've played with removing the compass. I think we've played with redefining true north. 
Now I think culture is saying, finally, we're just going to replace the compass. Listen, to start with redefining the compass, we'll, we'll just do that for God. Then we remove the compass. There is no God. Now we'll replace the compass and culture decides we'll be God. You know, the culture that was all about tolerance and no judgment is now the culture that says, we'll create the compass. You will follow our compass or you'll be canceled. You don't agree with us, our God, you're a hater. It's curious that the most tolerant culture is the most intolerant now that the agenda is out. Because it was never really to redefine true north. It was never to remove the compass. It was always to replace it. It was never really to redefine God. It was never really just to remove God. It was always to be God. Let's not confuse this. We are in a war for who gets to play God. That's the cultural war that we're in. And they want to set the compass. And they're telling you, me and our kids, follow our compass. Hmm. So who's setting your compass? Like if we just took a moment and asked the question, who is setting your compass? Who is setting the compass for your kids? Christ or culture? Who's indoctrinating your kids? I mean, these are the real conversations that we're in. It's why Jesus set up the church. You will never be able to walk the way without the church because the church is where those who believe that he is the way, the truth, and life help one another know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. And you need the support of that. We go do this together. There's the third thing. True or false? Muhammad, Buddha, and Jesus are all valid ways to God. That was the question in the poll. True or false? That was the question. And you know, sometimes we just rush ahead and we don't pause because we don't do the homework. We, we don't understand other religions and what's being said. So although it's more complex than what I'm about to read, let's just do a summary of religions. Christianity, believe and receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. It's what, they, what we believe. Old Testament, New Testament is God's word. Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. Buddhism, where do we get from Buddha? Well, they believe there's no person, no soul or spirit, but by doing good things, you can be reincarnated into another form to continue to do good things until you achieve nirvana. By the way, they reject Jesus. Islam, belief in God as creator and that Adam was the first in a long line of prophets, including Jesus, though they reject Jesus as Savior and Lord. He didn't really die on the cross and rise from the dead, by the way. Muhammad was the last prophet, and he revealed God's final revelation to him in the Quran. Hinduism. The soul is transmigrated after death into another human or perhaps animal. 
is eventually liberated from the cycle of birth and death by using sacred laws that humans must live by, a form of salvation called moksha. Oh, by the way, they reject Jesus. Judaism. Jews believe they have a special covenant relationship with God and salvation is achieved by following the laws of the covenant. They believe in a Messiah to come, but reject Jesus as that Messiah. Atheism. There is no God. If anything, I am my God. And they reject Jesus. When you say that all of those are equally a way to God, you understand it is not possible. Any more than all of us standing around pointing any direction. What do you think? North? No, today, that's north. What's true north? You know what? I think it's this today. I mean, it can't all be true. Stay with me. It's impossible for Muhammad, Buddha, and Jesus all to be at the same time a way to the living God because they disagree with each other. They literally, when you read it, when you understand them, they all disagree with each other. Let me say it like this if it's not helpful yet. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. So that's what he said. So to be a Christian is to follow Jesus. When Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and life, what he's saying is, I'm the way in. That means everybody else, all other religions are out. They can't possibly be a way in because I'm the only one. So if Jesus is in, listen, if Jesus is the way, if he's in, the others are out. And you say, oh, I can't believe that. I just, there has to be more room than that. So I believe that the others are a way in. Listen, if the others are a way in, then Jesus is out. But you can't possibly put them all in the same sentence and say that they are all a way to the living God. It is fundamentally contradictory. In other words, that question is false. Opinions do not create truth. Sometimes they expose a lack of thinking or having not processed the information or never have gone into them to understand them. In fact, let me take a moment to talk to the 60% who are born-again Christians who have said as born-again Christians that Jesus is one of many ways to God the Father. I choose Jesus, but they can choose whatever path they want. Maybe you've never thought about this. But when you say that, that is literally at one and the same time saying that Jesus is Lord and Jesus is a liar. That Jesus is the source of truth, your source of truth, and simultaneously a liar. That is, that is impossible for both of those to be true. And by the way, if Jesus is a liar, it means he sinned. And if he sinned, then when he died, he died for his own sin, which means his sin death never covered yours. So when you say Jesus is one of many ways, like all other religions, you literally deny him as your savior. You have no hope. You're still dead in your sin. You have no way to get to heaven because you just killed the only one who made it possible for you to get to heaven. You have denied the very faith that you claim. Now, maybe you've never thought about that. Maybe now it's like, you're like, I never knew that. By the way, when you say in this culture, I follow Jesus, it is not like you follow somebody on Twitter. When Jesus said, follow me, it wasn't like, follow me like you follow Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos. 
on Twitter, where you follow their, their social media, which means you just read after them and you know, oh, I agree with that, I disagree with that. This isn't how you follow Jesus. When you follow Jesus, it means you lay down your compass and you pick up his. And you surrender to his compass, his word, his way. And if you don't, you have to wonder if you're a Christian at all. If the essence of being a Christian is that you actually lay down your compass, you have no authority any longer in your life, you surrender to the real God, the author of life. This is Christianity. You may not be one. You may not choose to be one. But if you are one, this is what it means. This is why Jesus declared it. So Jesus was helping us understand. Just look at the scriptures again. It's kind of re refreshed. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given by which we must be saved. No other name given by which we can be saved. For there is one God and one mediator. How many mediators? One between God and mankind. The man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has been witnessed to at the proper time. And then Jesus himself, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Again, you don't have to believe it, but it's quite a stretch to believe that he's one of many ways. Maybe you're among the 60% that I think he's one of many ways, and it's never occurred to you that it's irrational. And I don't mean it unkindly. Maybe you've never thought about it, but it's really irrational to think that there were nine ways to God and Jesus provided the tenth. Let me just play it out. This is, you got to suspend reality, but go with me. So the Trinity, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit are hanging out in heaven before all this happened. And the Father says, Phew, we got nine ways back to us, which is good. Gives them a lot of options. But you know, I love the number 10. It's like a round number. That's why I did the Ten Commandments. Sure, there could have been 20 or five, but I just love 10. You know what? I think we should give them 10 ways. So Jesus, the son, says, what do you think? The Holy Spirit's like, yeah, tell, tell me what you got. You have to spend reality, even though they're all-knowing. So the father says to, to his son, here's my idea. Here's what I'm thinking. You, we send you. We'll stay here. The Holy Spirit, no, we're going to stay here. But we'll send you. You leave here. You suspend your divinity. You set aside your majesty. You set aside your glory. You set aside your capacity to be everywhere present. You go to earth and you indwell a little human body. It, it, sh it should be awful. And, 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 and then you grow up on earth like you're one of them when you're really the creator of them. And then you teach holy truth and, and, and don't worry about it. They'll reject you and hate you. But, but then prove that you're a prophet and show miraculous powers and then they'll love you. But then they won't. And, and then they'll betray you. And it's, it's going to get rough. Um, your best friends are going to walk away. Uh, you're going to be beat beyond recognition. And, and then they're going to whip you like 40 lashes. It'll shred your, it'll just shred your back. You'll know pain, unlike most people will never know their whole life. But then they'll put a, thong, thrown, a crown of thorns on you, and then they'll nail you to a cross. And you will suffer miserably. And then you will die. But good news is after they bury you, I will raise you from the dead. And now they have a tenth way. If you're Jesus, are you like, yeah, I'm good with that? No, if I'm Jesus, I'm like, let's stick with nine. I like nine. Nine's a great number. Right? How, how thoughtless to think he did all that to provide ten ways because there were already nine. 
See, either Jesus is the way to God the Father, or there is no way. But he's not one of many ways. And he said, I'm the only way. So what do you do with this? Glad you asked. Two or three thoughts. First, settle it in your own soul. I don't know when you're ready to settle it in your soul. Maybe this is the day you've called yourself a Christian, but you actually become one. Maybe you've never been surrendered. Maybe you live by a culture's calm compass and you've been pretending you live by Jesus and this is the moment and there's an awakening here. Good for you. But if you are among the 60% born again who say that Jesus is one of many ways, today is the day. Settle this in your soul. Confess right now. Say it almost as a prayer to him. I confess, Jesus. You are the way. The truth and the life and no one comes to the father except through you. This is a very big day for you. Second. Courageously follow God's compass. When God gave us his word, Jesus came and spoke the word. God was giving us our compass. When you come to faith in him. You surrender to his compass. Knowing that you live in a world that has their own corrupt compass. And therefore you're going to live in the conflict of a culture that says follow our compass. When you follow Jesus compass. So it'll take courage. It's why I say courageously follow God's compass. Now you have a compass. Now you have a GPS. Now you have a way to navigate your origins, to navigate your identity, to navigate your beginnings, to navigate your gender, marriage, family, right and wrong. Now you know how to do life. God in his grace has given you a compass. So are you really following his compass? No, no, don't, don't jump. Are you following Christ's compass or not? Because you cannot blend Christ's compass with the world's compass and keep changing true north. That does not lead to life. It's not the way and it's not the truth. And I got to cut that. and I just don't want to. Third. Give the next generation God's compass. This is a really tough culture to grow up in, in this country. When you have a culture that says everybody gets to define true north, then nobody can find their way. They're lost. Then when you say throw the compass away, now we're really lost. That's what this generation is growing up in. And we are growing up, but we're all living in that. And then when you say the culture has their own compass, and if you don't follow it, this is a generation that feels the intensity of rejection, that feels the emotional angst. In fact, I think some of us are saying, I believe Jesus is one of many ways, not because we actually believe it because it makes sense, but because we're so concerned about a cancel culture, and it's so difficult to stand in a world that will dismiss you and stand against you and fight against you, that it's not that it's intellectually untrue or spiritually untrue, it's that it's emotionally difficult to endure.
why we need each other. And all the more why we have to care about the next generation because they feel it at a weight and an intensity different than even what I grew up in. And this can't be a church that just cares about the age and stage of me. It's got to be all of us. Church is intergenerational, if you will. So, so as a church, when we dedicate like we are today, 67, by the way, let's give it up for those parents, 67 kids have been dedicated today. That's awesome. That's a very precious and beautiful moment. But you might not know, we've, we've had that moment of dedication for like 444 kids in the last 45 years. Last four or five years, 444 kids have been dedicated. In the last 12 months, individual kids, students, have walked in and out of the doors of our campuses that we have served some 10,852. We have to help the next generation discover Christ in a culture of corrupt compasses. We have to help them with this God-ordained purpose that they would know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. It, it, it is our calling. And so I'm going to take privilege for a couple of minutes. I've been the senior pastor of this church. Marcia and I founded it as God called us 35, 36 years ago. On August the 6th, I will hand the church over to Jason Berry. We are calling it succession. God's timing. God's design, we believe. When I hand that over, I'm not leaving. Every, you keep saying I'm retiring. I'm just repositioning. I'm founding pastor. I'll still be on the teaching team. Lots of things. I can't seem to stop you from saying he's retiring. What's it like to retire? Whatever. Just, okay. But this is not an insignificant shift. See, we're doing succession for the sake of the next generation. We are doing succession for the sake of the next generation. We are doing succession for the sake of the next generation. I understand the cultural wars we are in, and I believe the church should be led by someone who is carrying the burden of family and raising that generation directly. On August 6th, in 14 weeks, listen, all of you who are raising kids will inherit the primary leadership role of this church together. All of you. Step up. My generation is not leaving you. This church is for boomers and Xers and millennial. This church is for Gen Z, Gen Alpha. We're all in. But it's time for you to take primary leadership. Step up. We're with you. We do this together. It's not a we, they, it's an us. But this is an important shift in your spiritual leadership because we have to care about the next generation. Because our culture is broke. And our culture is handing our kids a corrupt compass. And we know that if you're going to know God in your adult life, you have to make biblical decisions in high school, which is not possible. So we're reshaping high school 
to help them make biblical decisions, but it's not possible unless you have biblical values, which is what middle school is being reshaped to. We have to build biblical values before you can make biblical decisions, but we know that that's not possible in the middle school years unless you have biblical knowledge. So we're reshaping K through fifth grade with biblical knowledge because you need to have biblical knowledge upon which you build biblical values upon which you make biblical decisions so that you can know the way, the truth, and the life and help make a difference in their own generation. It is on us to be that church. Amen. And we are going to be that church. So let me paint a picture. We were talking the elder board with the rising generation of Jason Berry and his lead team and asking, you know, we've been spending months on this. You can, you're smart people. You, you know, a lot behind the scenes, a lot is happening. And when, when, when children inherit their parents' home, what do they do with it? They update it and renovate it. We're transferring seven physical campuses, an eighth campus in, in, in Jackson County, and we're 12 stone home and online community, I get it. But when we transfer the physical campuses, we've been asking, so what is helpful to you? And they said, well, we plan to update and renovate the children's space. We're like, you know what? That makes sense. Do some research. How much is that going to cost? going to cost about $3 million. The elders have decided, and I'm announcing today, that it seems right to us since succession is for the next generation. Let's just make it possible for them to update and renovate the house and children's spaces across the campuses. And let's take a one offering on August the 6th, because listen, succession is not about a person. It's not about me. It's not about Jason. It's about a mission. We have a call of God upon this church. Let's just take an offering and see how far we can get to update and renovate and open the doors and make it possible for next generation to go after what they were created to be and do. See, we listen, listen, we have to give the next generation God's compass. Amen. So what are you going to do with the teaching? I'm going to turn the service over to the pastors, but maybe, maybe just for you, you have to settle this in your soul. Maybe courageously follow God's compass. Maybe all the more give the next generation God's compass. Pastors, would you pray for us? Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.